Bible. A deeper dive into the books of the Bible. Greetings and welcome to Pondering the Bible. I'm your co-host, Ken Corkins. And with me, as always, is my longtime friend and pastor, Rocky Ellison. Hello. This is season six, episode one. Yeah. And we pray that we're sponsored by the Holy Spirit. Amen. This episode will come out on January 1st, so Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> Do you have any big plans for watch night? No, we are. Uh, we have never been stay up late, uh, watch it roll to the new year kind of people. Uh, I hear everybody else's firecrackers and, and pan banging go off, and uh, and then I go right back to sleep. I thought I'd catch you by surprise with that watch night call. Yeah. That's a weird. That's actually a Methodist holiday watch night. I'm not aware of that. Yeah, it's the tradition of watch night. Maybe traced to the early. Early 18th century, uh, where churchgoers began marking the occasion with a vigil to reflect upon the year past and to contemplate the one to come. Here's the Methodist pull in. John Wesley adopted the practice for his Methodist followers who held similar vigils monthly with the full moon. Ooh. Uh, yeah, church services on, on watch night generally begin sometime between 7 and 10 p.m. and end at midnight. The services tend to be attended by family groups. Many attend many attendees go on to New Year's Eve parties afterwards. Okay. Yeah. A different one. I see yeah, that a few years uh, I had never heard of that. Yeah, I saw it a few years back and thought, that's weird. I've never, ever seen that in any church I've ever been in. But apparently it's the thing, watch night. Huh. Um, and then this... Sunday is technically Epiphany. Yes, it is. It's Epiphany. What's yeah. Epiphany all about? Epiphany is that moment when you get it, that Jesus finally makes sense to you, and when your heart and your head come into sync about why you believe. Typically, we read the story of the three wise men. That's uh, in every year, it's always the same. You know, Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12, go through that again. <laughs> Uh, sometimes, uh, just because I can't do the same thing year after year, uh, I will substitute in the story of Simeon or of Anna uh, from uh, Luke chapter 2, uh, because they have epiphany moments. Mm -hmm. But this year, we're going to work out of Mark and... And there is actually a tie-in, but it's not, <laughs> it's not even close to a traditional epiphany service. Okay. So that's where we're getting season six. Right? Yes. <laughs> we're jumping into the book of Mark now, and we'll take it from here until when? How long until are Until April 9th. That's Easter. Um, and so we will do Easter out of the Gospel of Mark. So for the next four months, we are in Mark. Settle in. Yeah. Please put your seat tables in the upright position. <laughs> and what do we say when somebody says they want to hang out with us? Welcome to Anxiety Airlines. Please buckle up your seatbelt because you're definitely going to hit some emotional turbulence when you hang out with me. Clear for takeoff in three, two, one. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, <laughs> we'd like to welcome you to uh, season six. All right, so <laughs> I'll edit that out because it's stupid. But No. You made me do it. So we're talking through the book of Mark. What chapter and verse are you going to deliver are we going to read from this week? We're going for the very beginning. Mark chapter 1, verse 1 through verse 8. And we'll be working out of NLT tonight. Most translations will be reasonably similar. All right. 
This is the good news, or yours might say gospel, about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so taking off into the book of Mark, um, let's start way, way back. Who actually do we believe, wrote the Gospel of Mark? That is a great question. Uh, There's been a tremendous amount of debate on that over the years. But the early church fathers, uh, in particular, uh, a guy named Papias and another guy named Eusebius and a guy named Tertullian, all were of the same mind uh, from interviews they had conducted. They all believe it was written by John Mark. We use his second name uh, for the title. Because there's not enough Johns in the Bible. Right. Right. (laughs) And Mary's. John Mark is an interesting guy. He, uh, his mother was uh, a devout Jew. His father was a completely pagan uh, Greek. Uh, But his dad was very receptive of his mother being religious. And so John Mark was raised uh, in a very strongly in the Jewish tradition. When Jesus comes along, John Mark's mother uh, is probably one of the women who financially supported Jesus's ministry and who may, uh, she may have even been one of the women who went uh, on the resurrection morning uh, to help anoint the body. Uh, since she was in Jerusalem, she may have, have been that person. He had uh, a large estate. They had a huge upper room. And we're, we're pretty sure that the upper room of John Mark's house is where the Last Supper hmm. was held. And that probably that's where they all were hiding and where the miracle on Pentecost morning of the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit probably happened in John Mark's home. So he grew up as a, a young boy around the apostles uh, and, and probably around Jesus as well. There are many who believe uh, that in, uh, in a later chapter in Mark, when Jesus is in the garden and uh, he's about to be arrested, and there's a young man there, and someone grabs him by his, his, his loincloth, and he rips out of it and runs home naked. There are many who believe that's John Mark. Yeah, I'm glad his name wasn't mentioned right that way. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't me, no. <laughs> but of all the things to be infamous for. <laughs> John Mark's other big claim to fame is he has an uncle, his mother's brother, who's named Barnabas. Mm. And when Paul uh, goes on his missionary journeys, his first and second missionary journeys, Barnabas is who travels with him when they go out and just spend years out forming 
brand new churches being true evangelists and missionaries. And when they leave on the second missionary journey, they try to take John Mark with them, but he's still just a touch young. He gets homesick. He starts whining and crying, and Paul throws a temper tantrum and sends John Mark home. I'm <laughs> not dealing with you ever again. And in fact, that probably ended up being the end of Paul and Barnabas. After that, he changes over to Silas mm. and deals with him. And, and it probably it was over how Barnabas's nephew was treated by Paul. Get that kid out of my face. I need a real man. So he races back home, races to Jerusalem. Peter is still really prominent in Jerusalem at this time. And we know from the book of Acts that John Mark attaches himself to Peter. And he stays with Peter for the rest of Peter's life. When Peter is in Rome, in prison, after he's been condemned to death, John Mark is there with him. Peter writes about this in his own uh, letters. In in 1 Peter, I think, chapter 5, we find out that John Mark is there with him, taking care of him. And the early church fathers are absolutely convinced that because Peter was about to die and we were about to lose one of our most prominent voices in the church— that he dictated the Gospel of Mark to John Mark. So, the book we call Mark's, but it's Peter's Gospel. Right, so it's the Gospel of Peter as written by Mark. Yes. Okay. Now, we don't ever call it the Gospel of Peter. No, no, no. That's Because yeah. there's an apocryphal book by that name, and that's what everybody will think you're talking about. Right. No, but we, so we believe that the Gospel of Mark is Peter's uh, retelling of the stories. Yes, okay. yeah. Uh, time is running out. He doesn't know how long until he dies. And so the Gospel of Mark is written with this incredible urgency when compared to the other three Gospels. Before I go, you got to know this. That's it. These are the things you've got to know before they, before they kill me. Interesting. Okay. So what is different about Mark's Gospel? If you don't know how long you've got to live, if you don't know if you're even going to make it through today, then your your driving motivation is let's get to the most important part of the story, and that's the cross. And so the gospel of Mark, there's no birth narrative. There's no baby Jesus and angels and shepherds. It's, <laughs> it's John the Baptist saying someone special is coming. He says that like in verse 6. Mm-hmm. Someone special is coming. And boom, uh, Jesus is going to arrive in, in, in verse 9. So it goes straight to what we typically call the ministry. We say the baptism of Jesus is the launch of his ministry. That's where Mark's gospel begins, the launch of Jesus's ministry. So this is when um, John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. Was Peter actually there? I was trying to think about this earlier. Was Peter there at that time or did Peter join up later? I'm just curious. Best guess, and and, and thanks heavens we have the gospel of John. Uh, because John gives us what little background we have on the southern Judean portion of Jesus' ministry. But Andrew, Peter's brother, was one of John the Baptist's disciples. Right. And so, uh, and Andrew is one of the ones that John tells, go follow this guy now. Don't be my disciple anymore. Be his disciple. And we believe Andrew then brings his brother Peter into the fold that way. Okay. That's kind of what I— Barely remembered. It's been a while since we've talked to some of that original yeah. apostle story. Yeah. We've yeah. talked about the early Jesus story, but we haven't talked about the apostles and how they came to be. Yeah. So that's just a weird question. Um, 
Anything else about the history of this gospel? Well, like I said, it's dictated by Peter while he's in prison, so it's not a real smooth accounting. It's very choppy. He jumps from event to event to event because I've got I need to tell you about these miracles Jesus did, and these are important miracles because they show that he is the Son of God, that he is the Christ. Let me give you a bunch of those, and then let me get you into Jesus' teaching and again jump from lesson to lesson to lesson and then to the cross. Okay. So it's so, much more choppy. But unlike John's gospel, which I think jumps around a whole lot, um, Mark's gospel is still considered one of the synoptic gospels. Mark's is still considered one of the synoptics because they all kind of tell the same stories. Right? Yes. 90% of what is in Mark is also in Matthew and is also in Luke. Mark fits exactly on one standard length scroll from that that time. So they bought a scroll and Mark filled it up as as Peter is talking to him if, from from beginning to end and and that's all the room they had one scroll cuz cuz Peter's not going to be around to dictate a, a second scroll. Matthew and Luke are both exactly two scrolls hmm. long. And there's really good powerful evidence that both Matthew and Luke started with Mark's gospel and then added their their own peripheral information. In some cases, changing the chronology. Uh, and, and that's probably because Peter, when he was telling stories, didn't necessarily go through them in chronological order. He just, you need to know he walked on water. You need to know he fed people. You need to know. And so he jumped through those, probably not chronologically. Matthew and Luke sort of rearranged those to, to fit a better chronology um, and to add in uh, extra material. They both fit on exactly two standard length scrolls. Good planning, huh? Yeah. No. <laughs> I got one sheet of paper. Go. <laughs> and as soon as we run out, you're done. That's yeah, it. The yeah. story's over. That's it. <laughs> okay. Weirdo. All right. So that's interesting. Let, let's go ahead and jump in to yeah. today's reading. Yeah. And do you want to start with uh, verse one? Absolutely. One through three or one? Uh, just one to begin with. Okay. Uh, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It began, and then it kind of stops, right. but it's kind of a weird break there. But this is the good news about Jesus. Your Bible probably has has it titled as Mark or the Gospel of Mark. The original texts did not come with that as the title. Verse 1 was the title. So the original title of this was... This is the good news. Good news is also gospel. Right. This is the gospel about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. That's what it was titled. And that makes perfect sense. If if Peter's trying to get you to the cross as quickly as he can in the least amount of paper, that's a great introduction because now you know exactly where you're going. Right. Dig, jump right into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure they didn't have time for uh, titles and section markings back yeah. then. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm going to pick up at the end of one because yeah. it kind of rolls funny, but right. And do two and three together. Okay. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written, look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you and he will prepare your way. Three. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. I know you'd spent some time looking at this. Do you have some thoughts on these? So it says the prophet Isaiah said this, but it's really the conglomeration of two different prophetic readings. Right. Um, it is Isaiah, Isaiah 43, but it's also Malachi 
three, one. Yeah. So they kind of mash those two together. Yeah. To uh, artistic license. I don't know, but it's it's prophetic that that somebody's coming to announce Jesus. Yeah. Okay. And and what's really uh, what I find really interesting about this is uh, ours reads uh, in, in the NLT. It began. Most translations I think will read in the beginning. In the beginning. Now that should clearly strike you as. Uh, a Genesis right. reference. So Genesis is the first of the five books that we sometimes call the Pentateuch or the Torah. Verse 2 is straight out of Malachi. And, and I think most people believe Malachi is the most significant of the minor prophets. He's the last in the Old Testament, both chronologically and that's where they put him. And then verse 3 is from Isaiah. And I think most people think Isaiah is the most prominent of the major prophets. So in in two verses there, Mark says the Torah, the minor prophets, and the major prophets all point to Jesus. So essentially, he tells us at the, in his first three verses, the entire Old Testament is about Jesus. Wow. When it is, if you yes. look back at, at it from that standpoint, you can easily see a lot of pointing towards, right. towards a coming Messiah. Yeah. Okay. Um, four. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. And then five, all of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. And there are a couple of things about this that really strike me. Uh, John says from the very beginning, I'm not the one. I don't save you. But John has a ministry. Mm -hmm. And in fact, every Christian, I believe, has a ministry. You are not the Son of God, but you are a servant of the Son of God. And as such, we each have duties and responsibilities to perform. Christianity is not a sit alone and contemplate my relationship with God theology. Christianity requires interaction with other Christians and with a broken world. And so by verses 4 and 5, John Mark is already telling us, much is going to be expected of you. Uh, here's your first epiphany. This is going to happen to you. The grace of God will give you faith and you will be saved. But in response, you will serve the God of the universe, the creator of the universe. We're going to expect that of you. That comes out right in the very beginning. And the second thing that jumps out huge is repentance, right? We need to be saved because we're sinners. Right. If there wasn't for sin, we wouldn't need Jesus. But we are sinners, and you have to know that you're a sinner, and, and you have to repent of your sin. That was shocking news to the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And it's getting to be shocking news today. Um, Too true. We have just left one denomination and moved to another. Last week, uh, a bishop in our old denomination announced, I don't think sin is significant. I don't think it's an issue. I don't think God cares about sin. And that was a bishop who said, sin's irrelevant. Do what you want to do. Live the way you want to live, don't worry about it. Well, if that's the case, then we don't need Jesus. Right. If, if you're not centered and not, you're not a sinner and you're not condemned to afterlife without God, right. then you don't need somebody to come and save you so that you can go to heaven. Yeah. So, yeah. 
just wiping out the whole reason for Jesus effectively. And so Mark is going to introduce Jesus in another three verses, but right now he's preparing us for, you need Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus because everybody is a sinner, so everyone needs the Christ. Yeah, and, and that can be difficult for some people to understand that, and there's some sins recently that they're very well called out, right? This is a sin. You should stop sinning. But the truth of the matter is there's a whole lot of sin that we're all guilty of. It's not just the major ones, if you will. Yeah. Um, you know, the sexual sins and that. There's a billion unnamed sins that we're all guilty of, whether we want to admit it or not. And once you come to that realization, epiphany, yes, then, <laughs> then that's when you say, I need help. And that's when I need Jesus. You need Jesus. And in fact, you just hit the nail on head. That's where we're going with the sermon on Sunday is uh, the epiphany of you need to be a servant of Jesus Christ and actually get off your bottom and do something for the Lord. And the epiphany of you need a Savior. You are not good enough, Bubba. Uh, these are epiphanies that all show up in the first eight verses. And so that's why it's a, an appropriate text on Epiphany Sunday. So that's the sermon? Yes. And with that, I think we'll close this episode. <laughs> no, 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 no. We got a little more to go here. <laughs> Verse 6. Yeah. His clothes were woven. This is John the Baptist's clothes yes. were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. What's that remind you of? Is it Isaiah? Uh, no. It's Elijah. Elijah, okay. Yeah, okay. that's almost a word-for-word description of the prophet Elijah. And, and we talked a lot about John the Baptist in Matthew. Yes. We did a lot of deep diving into Matthew. If into we were John. to do uh, the Gospel of John, it's going to show up even more. Jesus is even more aggressive about saying, John is Elijah. He's the messenger to come, right? He is the Elijah. Um, the uh, In Malachi, which... Mark has already referenced, in Malachi it says, I will send Elijah back to you. And Jesus just flat point blank says, he was talking, Malachi was talking about John the Baptist. And so he dresses like him and he fills the function of Elijah as well. Very cool. Okay. And then moving on, verses 7 and 8. John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. What I love about this, uh, in verse 1, Mark lets us know Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one we've waited for. He is the Christ. He's the one anointed. But he's also the Son of God. He tells us that in verse 1. So we have God and God's Son in verse 1. And when we get to verse 8, we have the Holy Spirit. So in the very first eight verses of the Gospel of Mark, the Holy Trinity is already laid out there for us to to see. Uh, Today, it's really common in the very progressive seminaries to say, There is no Trinitarian theology in the Bible. That's just something the church whipped up so they could uh, extract money from people in the Middle Ages. They made up the Trinity so that uh, they could put guilt on you. The Holy Spirit is watching you, (laughs) and he's telling Jesus what you're doing, and so you need to, to pay us money and have us forgive your sin. Man, the first eight verses of Mark put the Holy Trinity 
right there. Front and center. I got to believe that Peter understood the Trinity when he was in Rome. Very interesting. Okay. Uh, anything else about this? Uh, these first, what, eight verses? A lot packed in there. We could yeah, have gone is. probably for a couple hours if we wanted to dig any deeper. But uh, those, are, those are the majority of my observations on the first eight verses of, of Mark. All right. So, uh, have you given a sermon title yet? Calling it Through the Eyes of Peter, because this really is Peter's reflection of, of the three years with Jesus. Okay, so if you'd like to listen to this sermon that Rocky delivers, it'll be on our website at www.pondergmc.org. At the top is a menu called Ministries. Pull that down, click on Sermons, look for the sermon through Peter's eyes. And this will have been delivered on January 1st, 2023. Happy New Year. What are we covering next? Um, we're going to go next week into the bat. Next, the second Sunday of of the new year is always bab- baptism of the Lord, and coincidentally, here in the Gospel of Mark, that's what happens next: the baptism of Jesus. How'd that work out? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I suspect something's going on here. <laughs> All right, I got a bad dad joke for you. I'm ready. Uh, this morning, Siri said, "Don't call me Shirley. I accidentally left my phone in airplane mode." You have to think you about have that to one. Think, you have you to, have think to have seen the movie yeah. Airplane to get that. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. And it's funny. <laughs> and with that, I think we'll close this episode. This is Ken Corkins and Rocky Lester reminding you to love God and be nice to people. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us at www.pondergmc.org. There, you can watch our live stream services, listen to replays of Rocky sermons, and find other interesting information about us. This has been Pondering the Bible.